Three news stories caught my attention recently and they concern racism, transphobia and systematic violence against women and girls. The stories illustrate deep social and ideological divides that we seem unable to bridge. Some have existed for hundreds and other thousands of years. News like Let's gave front page priority to two of the stories. The third, and the one I'm focusing on here, was not front page news. There lies my outrage. Nobody seemed to care. The highest profile of the three stories was the killing of George Floyd, Minneapolis, Minnesota, in May 2020. By a policeman, and but for a bystander's video, it might not have been front page news. The release of the video triggered headline news and mass demonstrations around the world, regardless of the threat that COVID-19 still carried. The world seemed to rise as one against systemic racism. The second story to create headlines throughout all forms of the media was prompted by a tweet from the author J.K. Rowling. In her tweet, J.K. Rowling expressed her personal views about gender self-identity at a time when the government was considering legislation to enable this. Her tweet caused outrage in the trans community and beyond. Not for the first time, J.K. Rowling was branded a TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, a term used for those who question the right of people to self-identify, their gender and live in that gender. The world seemed to rise as one against systemic transphobia. Those reactions to the killing of George Floyd and J.K. Rowling's Twitter posts seemed to demand equality, to be treated the same as everyone else, irrespective of colour, gender, sexuality and so on. The third story I discovered, not in the front pages of a national newspaper or headline news, but somewhere within a Sunday magazine. There was no outcry, no outpouring of rage, no marches on the street, no demand for perpetrators to call to be called to account. The world did not rise as one. According to the Counting Dead Women project, between 14 and 19 women were killed in suspected, suspected domestic violence attacks in the UK in the first three weeks of a lockdown. 92% of all domestic violence killings were carried out by men. This is a huge increase in what is the normal death rate. I was shocked, not just at the numbers, but at the lack of outrage, the lack of headlines. In the early stages of COVID-19, I read of fears for women during lockdown from many sources, including the United Nations, who call violence towards women and girls the shadow pandemic these concerns are verified by the rapid increase globally in reports to the police and domestic abuse support agencies of violence in lockdown. Many countries have put services into place to support vulnerable women. In the UK, women would be allowed to leave their homes during lockdown if they were under threat. The Gender Equalities Minister in France allocated free hotel rooms and pop-up counselling services in stores increased funding to relevant services. In Paris, a woman could enter a pharmacy, give a code that would trigger immediate police action. 
Italy developed a special app for women seeking help. The UN General Secretary Antonio Guterres urged governments to include the protection of women in their responses to the pandemic. You would think with that level of awareness early in the pandemic that more could have been done to save women's lives. I know I've said it already, but I was shocked by the lack of outrage to this violence. We seem to be so immune to the unrelenting stream of violence against women globally by men of all races and creeds. It simply passes us by. The world does not rise up as one. The idea that women are responsible for the problem and the solution was highlighted recently by a woman who told me she thought mothers could do more to bring up boys as a way of reducing domestic violence. When I suggested that men could perhaps offer their children a kinder and more compassionate way of treating women, I was met by a glassy stare, as if that solution did not compute. I mentioned earlier that the UN declared violence against women and girls to be the shadow pandemic. According to the UN Office on Drugs and Crime, a total of 87,000 women were intentionally killed in 2017. The annual total rising since then. I wonder what a vaccination for this shadow pandemic would consist of. Empathy, compassion, understanding, altruism, humility, kindness. We really don't have to go far to find the recipe. Whatever it takes, we have the resources to prevent the spread and yet little systemic action is taken. In my psychotherapy practice, I regularly meet women for individual and couple therapy where this systemic inequality is evidence. Often women present as if they're the problem, hoping that therapy might help them better manage an abusive, coercive, distant or absent partner, who's an expert in gaslighting, dismissing, denying her experiences. I often hear men say, it's not a problem for me, or, you know, she's always complaining, or she gets very emotional, or I don't know what she's talking about, it isn't like that, or I didn't want to hit her, she made me do it. I see the woman shrink into the corner, silenced. What I do find over time is that women report feeling more confident simply by hearing themselves saying out loud what is silenced at home hearing someone else reflecting their words unconditionally. Whilst this can be empowering in the sessions, back at home, nothing might change. Partners may get angry with the therapist for the crime of putting ideas into the woman's head. I believe that therapy at times reinforces the idea that the person is the problem by focusing too much on individual pathology. The person is the problem. Seeking answers in childhood, parental relationships, unconscious desires, attachment patterns learned in childhood and so on. Although these ideas and approaches may be helpful in circumstances, I believe that as a therapist it's important to take account of the structural issues that create oppression. These include dominant paternalistic structures that keep women in their place, often a place of danger. A woman's place is in the home being a classic example. As a white male therapist, I've no idea what it's like to grow up as a woman in my part of the world. 
At the same time, I don't want to be part of the problem or to reinforce dominant paternalistic ideology. So I wish to remain open and curious to the woman's experiences whilst checking in with myself, noticing any internalised reactions or stereotypes I might have about women. For instance, how women should be. Try not to mansplain a trap I fall into from time to time. Not interrupting. Not judging if a woman wants to stay in a difficult relationship. When I think about the three stories mentioned in this piece, I am conscious of the scale of systemic racism, transphobia and violence against women and the need for both large and small-scale responses. I discussed the podcast with a number of people recently, trying to find a way to conclude the piece, as I was unable to do so. The last person I spoke to suggested it was because there are no words to describe something so horrendously unimaginable. Nobody, they said, is paying effing attention. Well, I am paying attention and will continue to do so. And we all should be paying attention to this endless stream of violence. If you reach this point in the podcast, please pay attention, care and do what you can to break this unspeakable cycle. The story will only end when the violence ends. 